we're gonna keep it. This episode of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast is brought to you in partnership with Cold Candy. Cold Candy, K-O-L-D-K-A-N-D-I, is a hip-hop group stationed out of Decatur, Illinois. I'm friends with one of the rap group members. He's a student here at UIS as well. And I'll tell you, they are proud supporters of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. And it's a great group to listen to, especially if you want to listen to some up-and-comers in the hip-hop industry. I will tell you, they have just released their new EP, Sweet Tooth, this year. It's available on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, Play Music, Deezer, and iHeartRadio, just to name a few of the places that you could listen to it. I'd recommend it, especially if you want to listen to something fresh. And now, after this, on to the episode. This is traditionally how we start. I have to have a Diet Coke. This is my drink of choice. There we go. I rock. This is probably one of the most charismatic men on campus today, and I think this has been a podcast that many people have waited for. We're on a little bit of a time crutch, but that does not mean that there won't be quality to this one, because I'm very excited. Uh, this is the Pursuit of Happiness podcast with your host, Jackson Canope, and I have a very special guest, uh, Jay Rose. Would you like to introduce yourself real quick? All right, everyone. My name is Justin Rose. I currently work here at the University of Illinois Springfield as the Director of Diversity and Inclusion Student Affairs. Sweet. All right. Uh, first couple of things, not too many people, like where I'm from in Carbondale, I have people that listen from there as well. Okay. I want to get a little bit of your backstory. Where are you from, Jay Rose? All right. So I'm from the west side of Chicago. Uh, I put emphasis on being from the west side of Chicago. It means so much to me uh, from the things that um, you see, mm-hmm. um, the people you encounter, and just, um, just j- you got to have a certain level of grit and determination to make it from Chicago at large, but more specific, the west side of Chicago. And so um, I, I carry that as a badge of honor. Okay. Um, because you either can go one way or the other way, and they're very polarizing. So the one who goes the educational and, and, and the other route, mm-hmm. you never forget what's on the other side of that. And so I'm always looking back at those experiences, and I'm always pulling on those experiences to keep this journey so 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 fresh and new every okay. day. Was it pretty hard growing up in Chicago whenever you were younger? Yeah, um, it, it really was, and I would say only because you, you were so up close to all of the the violence and mm-hmm. you were up close to um, some of the the destitute situations that you might be you know you know wishing for a handout and, and it doesn't come uh-huh. and so I would say I had to find my way you know a lot whether that was you know through sports um, whether that was through just being a everyday kid um, just hanging out on, on your block and not running from what you're a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was challenging, man. It was challenging to, to see not everyone make it, you know. Or you hear with somebody one day and a week or so later, it ain't, you know, they're not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say it's always a cause of death or anything like that, but just crime or, you know, situations that's not easy um, for, for those individuals and, and things take place. And, you know, incarceration. And it was just challenging, man. It sounds like it could almost be traumatizing. Yeah. In many ways, I think I've been stung by the trauma, the trauma bug. Um, and, and it really 
is why I try to wake up and live life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. Um, because at any moment, I already know what that feels like to not, you know, you know, live life, you know, fully. You know, it's it's you always thinking of, you know, something your next meal, or you always thinking about, you know, if if you be mugged or if you be harmed or if you have to fight your way through, you know, so. Um, at this stage in my life, I'm not faced with that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I never forget. I never forget. I got you. Do you think growing up that way has more or less made you, from what my personal experiences, seeing you on this campus, you're a positive role model. Appreciate you it. usually tend to have enthusiasm or at least a drive in what you do. You're passionate about mm-hmm. it. You care. And especially with adolescents, young adults, teenagers, people in my age range. Like, I'd say anywhere from 16 to like 24 even. Mm -hmm. Just like, there's not too much passion until like, there's forced to be. Mm -hmm. So, for you, do you think because you growing up in a harder situation lets you appreciate the things that you have now? I think so. Kind of Um, motivates you? I think so, it's a driving force for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that I have those experiences and I'm able to tap into them and relate to certain people. But I'm also always saying to myself personally, it doesn't get any worse than that. Yeah. You know, I've seen the bottom, or I've been at the bottom in many ways. If this is all that you have left to throw at me, then that's okay. You know, so I try to operate at a level of, I've, I've been at the, the pit, you mm-hmm. know, but now everything from here is, you know, I can control that. I can I can control my uh, my ascension, and that's gonna take a lot of personal investment. Mm-hmm. You know, and I for real, I, I mean, I truly believe in you control your destiny um, and your happiness. And so I try to think about those bad times, but say, but it's good on the other side of that. You I know, so I wake up every day with my feet hit the ground. Before my feet hit the ground, actually, I'm a very you know spiritual person, uh-huh. and I believe in, in, in God and in faith. So I'm making sure I'm I'm sending up a prayer for not only myself but my community, my family, um, those who are going through troubling times. Mm-hmm. And I always say to myself, how do I make today better than the day before? And any of my friends can affirm this. I always wake up and I send motivation in the morning. After I do my morning ritual, I send my motivation in the morning. <laughs> um, and I always tell them, be better than great today. You know, oh, yeah. that's all you can do is be better than great. And that requires a lot of personal, like I said, investment. And I bring that to every phase that I go to, every room I go to, every space on campus. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it can't get any worse. You know, that's just, let's call on the happiness. I like that. Um, speaking of personal investment, I know you are going through a doctoral program, correct? Mm-hmm. What inspired you to do that? Oof, I'm crazy. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I tell myself I'm crazy. I'm actually supposed to be in class today, but I we have a speaker on campus, and um, I felt like I had I have some personal responsibility, and why the speaker is here today. Mm-hmm. So I made arrangements to uh, okay. make sure that I. Uh, was here to fulfill that 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 uh, responsibility. So don't tell my professor. I'm just playing. It's between you and uh, me. Yeah. Uh, and now the world. <laughs> um, but uh, what inspired me? I would say I, I encountered some great mentors in my life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a child of systems um, and community and things of that nature. So I'm always had like mentorship through sports. Okay. Um, and like I said, through community. So I was fortunate enough to um, encounter a mentor here on campus by the name of Dr. Clarice Ford. Mm. Um, and myself and Dr. Ford, we start, We came here in 2008 when I was an undergraduate student and she was the executive director of the Diversity Center. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, and we would have these long and exhaustive conversations about success and what does that look like. And it always kind of circled back to a degree. Mm-hmm. And eliminating as many gatekeepers as possible and so I knew that not only getting a master's would you know be you know be able to start to do that I knew I needed that doctorate I needed that last piece of paper mm-hmm. um, and I started my trek I, I aligned all of my personal endeavors my academic endeavors towards being able to align myself for the doctorate process and so I want to be a chancellor or president of a university or a vice chancellor of student affairs um, at some level, um, only because I've had so, so many up close and personal experiences with these individuals and those seats mm-hmm. that I felt like that's how you make change increment, like right away. You know, I think educational institutions are the engine to make change. Okay. And so here's the opportunity to to do that, you know, in my own realm and in my own, you know, purview. It's my social responsibility, I feel. And so that's why I'm on a quest to get it, and I know that I can impact so many students by way of it. Okay. So in your eyes, one of your goals that you have is to to hopefully better society. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's why I wake up every day, man. Uh, And and I do it, you heard me speak of incrementally, Mm -hmm. I do believe small acts continuously over time with great effort does it and um, again I think that's how you change the world you don't get it all in one fell swoop you got to be consistent I like that answer so for what you do now what your profession is at the university can you go into some detail about that um yeah so I, I always speak about my my role in two facets it's almost like a multi-pronged approach to it and one aspect I'm sitting on task force, working groups, committees, Mm -hmm. to kind of better the profile of the university from a diversity, inclusion, and at at times equitable lens. Mm -hmm. And so that looks like, you know, know, looking at policies and and looking at practices that we implement and seeing what we can, where can we zero down and get more equitable, you know, open, not just open the door for students, but um, open up a world of other possibilities for them to be successful while they're on our college campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the other aspect of my job, I'm able to work in leadership um, with a lot of our um, campus departments in the Division of Student Affairs. Yeah. And so um, I get to stay student-facing in that regard, meaning putting on programming um, that reaches our students after hearing from, from them and what they want out of a college experience. Um, crafting initiatives that recruit and not only recruit but support these students on to graduation Um, and so we have like initiatives like our men of color initiative or our first generation college student program necessary steps or our hispanic and latinx initiative or black women of excellence and so again these are populations of students um, who enter into our university construct and are often um, overlooked or 
um, it's just not a lot of support in place for them to be successful. And so in my role, I get to make sure that we're intentional about being there for those students. Okay. You know, and myself, I'm a first generation college student. And so I had that type of support um, from the diversity center. And so I wanted to continue to make sure that we had that in place and even enhance it and make sure that we're able to deliver um, what we said we would do, which is bring you here and graduate you. Okay. So you were an undergrad student here at UIS, too? Yes, I did my undergrad stint from 2008 to 2012. <laughs> yep, okay. getting my numbers all confused. And then I went um, on to my master's degree from 2012 to 2014 in public administration. And you did it all here? Yep. Okay, well, that's yep. pretty cool. Yep, and now my doctoral studies are at the University of Urbana-Champaign. Okay. You're four and a half, Jackson. It's a, it's a beast. Pretty. It's a beast, but it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful grind. It's a beautiful grind. I respect that. It means your passion. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about this right before we started this podcast, but the Diversity Center also has a podcast. Yeah. So what necessarily goes on with that one? So the Diversity Center, we launched the podcast starting uh, about a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And in its first iteration, it was called DC Chillin'. (laughs) Um, It was a lot of um, (laughs) play on words and punning it up big time. Uh, But the main purpose of it was to take um, information and get it out quickly um, through a portal that we knew was popular, you know? So it had a nice healthy balance of having an academic lens and and educational intellectual focus, but then we also had that nice balance of popular culture and topics that kind of, you know, students want to talk about and they want to hear about. And so it started with two students and um, I was intentional when we created it of having communication majors. Okay. Um, yeah. I felt like that was uh, an opportunity for them to practice skills, yeah. learn their, tr- you know, learn what you're studying. You know, mass communication is important, and how do you zero in on it and really become an expert? Mm-hmm. And so they really run, they they really took it and ran with it. I would say, and so we ran about six or so episodes. Okay. And one of the individuals went on to graduate. Uh-oh. Um. Yeah, and so we needed to rebrand it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and so when we rebranded it, we call it now the pop-up shop, and we've added, because it has such a popular buzz, it went from two individuals um, to now five. Wow. Yeah, right? So after losing one of our core people, we, we came and reloaded with four others, uh, and one of the others who started the part is still on there as the main voice. Okay. And so again, that same... Um, undertone of how do we make sure we keep our listeners um, and to know about what's happening on your own college campus but then how do we break off and start talking about important you know conversation in our mm-hmm. in our society today and it's really been doing really well and so I'm happy that we continue to make it work um, and we always reinvent we go back and and we're really formative what worked what didn't work how do okay. we make better what's already good so really formative in that in that sense that's pretty cool so yeah. you said it's on youtube and soundcloud yeah youtube and soundcloud and i just had a, a i don't want to call it a production meeting because there was only two of the five I got but you. two of the main people who orchestrated um had a conversation with them on let's get it on itunes let's get it to spotify let's get it to these places where you can have a, a wider reach okay. and so um, that's the conversation now, and um, 
the beautiful thing is even if they want to take this thing, I'm okay with them taking it outside of the university because they're so passionate about it. I see. You know, so um, we just have to put in that disclaimer. Now it's just the pop-up shop with no no connections to the university. And they have another disclaimer now about views and things mm-hmm. that doesn't truly Personal represent yeah. Yeah, the diversity center on the university. But if they were to run with it, I wouldn't stop them one bit because I know it's something that... Um, they get they they gain passion from it gives them life i th- i like everything that you just said um correct me if i'm wrong but from what it sounds like i think you like the idea of trying to enable people to be able to follow their dreams and passions absolutely i think that's yeah. and whenever you said the educational system is the engine of change yeah i thought that was pretty cool too yeah i think I think most people agree with you. It's just not too many people look at it like that anymore. Yeah. I say with the way life can get, things can get busy, people can get focused on like the daily thing rather than the long-term like goals and achievements. So I think it's really impressive that you think like that. So that being said, I do kind of have a question about the Diversity Center. Mm-hmm. Also, if you guys would like any help, I'm sure somebody is capable of doing that on their own, but I have experience working with iTunes and Spotify nice. trying to get the stuff on there so I'd be happy to help. I appreciate it man so you might be getting some um, contact from us <laughs> I got if we run into a snafu or anything. Sweet. Well so uh, I guess my, my question is for right now you said you kind of had aspirations of maybe one day being a president or a chancellor of mm-hmm. university like how long do you see yourself being a UIS for the long term? Yeah uh I have this conversation with friends and um, even university colleagues that um, what's my long-term plan. And Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty firm believer in whatever the university or whatever something gives to you, you give back. And I feel like the university has given me um, quite a bit. You know, they've given me quite a bit, uh, and I would say just opportunity. And I've learned to utilize my opportunity the right way. So in that, I feel like I'm kind of not indebted. I wouldn't say that. I would say for as long as they want to keep me, I want to stay. Okay. I'll put it that way. Uh, For as long as they want to keep me, I want to stay. But whenever that relationship becomes, you know, contentious or you you could tell that it fizzled out. Yeah. Then I'm okay with, you know, pardon ways. I got you. Um, but I'm also a, a pretty firm guy. Like when I when I put my roots down, <laughs> I put my roots down, and I try to make sure I grow. You know, while I'm here, wherever you planted, you grow. That's and cool. um, I think right now I still got some things where I can influence UIS in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in no rush right now to depart. But you know, um, I know that hopefully when a, the the degree. Um, manifest itself yes. <laughs> that that the door I know that the door opened up and I just hope UIS responds to that or um, you know just something happens you know where I'm not um, feeling like I put in all this hard work and nothing has come from it uh, from mm-hmm. an educational standpoint um, I see what you mean you get where I'm coming from without like trying to say oh you owe me this it's just you know, it's gonna be opportunity, mm-hmm. and I and I just hope the institution that I've given so much will will continue that song and dance with each other. That that rhythmic dance of we give each other and we we support each other. Uh, 
That's the only way. That's the only way I can put it. I understand. It'd be like I think you are an integral part of this university so far, and I think it'd be very. It'd be a shame if you were no longer here. Thank you. So it's a shame uh, Chancellor Cook just retired. If it yeah. was like two years from now, then maybe um, it'd be a little bit different. Yeah, I feel like man, I I was devastated by the news, and I I dearly like I care for Chancellor Cook, mm-hmm. and I know that you know this next act in life is going to be just as great as this first, mm-hmm. you know, or the one that I knew her to have, which was, this will be her first act with me. Um, I think her next act is going to be just as good. And, and family is important, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so hopefully she gets some ta- a chance to, you know, be with her family for a while too, you know, so. Would you ever consider being the chancellor of this university? Uh, yeah, I, I can see myself doing that. Um, I think it may, it's some connection some big connection to say you've spent a lot of time and you went from a boy to a man in many ways you know mm-hmm. and so that rite of passage um, you can you can really help continue to transform this university and take it to its next you know act <laughs> in yeah. many ways so I would I definitely would okay I think that'd be pretty cool yeah um, so when did you come to Springfield just like for your undergrad that's yeah. where you came here literally um, Came in 2008. Um, I was originally um, going to attend Marquette University okay. in Milwaukee. Um, but I got my financial aid package back. <laughs> Being out of state, private, Jesuit institution, I mean, it was, I was going to be paying so much yeah. yearly to attend there. So I worked with, I was a part of a high school program um, at my um, high school. I went to Holy Trinity High School. I was a part of a mentoring program. I told you I was always a part of like systems and community and networks. And so I was a part of a mentoring program called PEAK. It was a partnership to educate and advance kids. Um, and I had these two mentors who I love dearly, um, Sally and Jody Moe. And they like family. Like, I mean, really helped rear me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And so um, in that program, we do target schools, aspirational schools safety schools okay and at this point UIS at that moment 2008 was considered a safety school for me I see um, I had gotten into my target school I just didn't get the scholarship money yeah to supplement it um, but um, when I when, when we figured that out we got together when you know and just pulled that our our targets our safety school excuse me mm-hmm. and so I came literally that first week of August like it, classes were set to start Dang. Like the second or third week of August, so I didn't have much time to adjust and pivot. But when I got here, I had had like several friends who this was some of their first choice school, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And so it was easy for me to kind of find like small community until I kind of got my feet wet and understood the institution and what I wanted to do when I was here. Mm-hmm. So I've been here since 2008, um, and UIS has been good to me, Springfield has been good to me. Um, I've been able to. Um, absorbed the culture shock from coming from a large city like Chicago yeah. um, and at times I still have those like moments where I, I, f- I feel like the big city is calling me mm-hmm. but I also know I have work to do here so I'm never um, so intrigued by like you know dropping what I have here to kind of hurry up and get that next you know opportunity back in Chicago or I at another you urban area so or a metro area so um, again just kind of going back to some of the statements I made earlier I, I have a job to do I'm plant I'm here I gotta grow I'm planted here I gotta grow 
I got you. So do you, like, every once in a while get homesick? And I, I would say so, and literally, like, homesick. Like, I miss Chicago. I miss the food. I miss the music. I miss everything, the fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do, and when that happens, I, I have to plan in advance. I just can't get up and go anymore. So when that does happen, I immediately put a plan in place to kind of cope positively, you know, not cope in a bad way. But how do I get back home to see my mom and my my brother and my grandmother and my cousins? And so it's been uh, it's been beautiful to be able to kind of pirouette and get to that when you have it. And I teach that to my students, like, you know, make sure when you do when it strikes, are are you being um, plan you know planning for and your decisions to go back are you are you planning out you know mm-hmm. when or are you just getting up on a, in a whimsical act and just leaving it's I not gotcha. that's not good it's not healthy <laughs> i got gotcha. you all right so i did have a question kind of relating to chicago and springfield but okay. uh, it's not it's more of an open one whenever it comes to like the future 5 10 15 years down the line do you have a preference of like if you had the choice would you want to go somewhere new? Would you want to go back home to Chicago? Would you want to stay home here in Springfield? Uh-huh. Like, do you like the dream place for you to be a chancellor of a university? Yeah, you know. So, I owe Chicago some some community. Um, I see. You know, I've always told myself that change is going to happen um, by those who go in. You know you know make it happen right and i have to go back and help my my city i just don't know when yeah. but i know that i owe chicago some some change some community and it, it's a big city <laughs> it's a big big city mm-hmm. um but i have to start somewhere and so i i can't put a timeline on when that is but i know i'm that person to make that change and to go back one day um, whether that's in the capacity of being a chancellor whether that's in the capacity of being or having my own high school or just some type of activism Mm -hmm. i owe that much back to my city um, to feel like i joined the fight not just sporadically but planted there and and fight because i do things sporadically for the city but i think i could be more of a reverberating effect if i was there long term i see so say you were to go back to chicago like, whenever you said have your own high school, would that be like being a principal or a superintendent type position? Yeah. Um, I've always told myself that I could do a high school takeover. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this one little kick when I was thinking I was going to open up a charter school. Um, but, you know, you, you learn. You, you get more educated. And there's nothing wrong with charter schools. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I feel better suited. My energy could be at a public institution, a public high school, mm-hmm. um, where it's more... Um, students in need yeah um, and I'm also a student who comes from need I didn't go to a public high school I ended up going to a Catholic high school but I went to a public elementary school and I, I understand what that pipeline looks like and so um, now I feel like my energies are better placed at in a public setting mm-hmm. um, and being able to help the masses I see so like this is gonna be a pretty broad question then Whenever you want to help people, and whenever you, like, whenever you're here, and versus whenever you're in Chicago or anywhere else, mm-hmm. like things that you try to work on most, would it be more like having people understand each other, like spreading mm-hmm. more positive influence? Yeah. 
what yeah. do you think you focus on? I'm a big proponent of just talking. Mm-hmm. Right, like in a, I'm, my undergrad degree is in interpersonal communication. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so whether that. that's one to one, small group, large group, um, it starts with dialogue. It starts with intentional dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and sometimes it might feel forced, <laughs> um, but I think we have to be receptive to listening to one another mm-hmm. um, in these different setups. You know, podcast in my version is another way to be interpersonal it's another way to start to reach people um and hopefully the viewers they court you know they 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 communicate back to you um you know through some portal through some way to have that conversation so it's just a different way of doing that song and dance of actually i'm talking you listening now i'm listening and you're talking and so when i do do my activism or when i do do my outreach I'm always trying to figure out what's the need. Like, I just don't want to come there with what I think the answers are, but how do I listen and then in turn talk back? You know, and I do that and I, I take that same principle and I put it all over our diversity center. Yeah, we're the diversity center, but diversity is a big, big, massive word. Mm-hmm. Um, theoretically, it seems like it's this easy thing to do, but pragmatically, we we don't practice it well. <laughs> like, we don't talk. Mm-hmm. We get on this college campus, we walk past each other, <laughs> we sit in classes, we do what we need to do, and we get out of here. I mean, and that's an oversimplified version. But when we have those difficult dialogues, when we put on those heritage months and weeks, when we do these trainings and workshops to start to try to under, you know, set up these zones where we can learn Mm-hmm. That's when I think you start to practice diversity, right? And so that same undertone, I put it on everything that I do. You know, if that's I'm called in to go do this and at home, you know, back in Chicago. If I'm called to go talk to a group of high school kids here in Springfield, or if I'm called to go to a conference and do something, it's all about, yeah, I have some knowledge to share, but it's not a banking model. I don't have all the answers. I'm not just going to deposit on you. Oh. In turn, is going to come. You know, I need to listen. I need to, you know, open my ears as well. So, okay. So, I guess in kind of a smaller vein, whenever it comes to UIS and things that you think need to happen more often, it's more or less just like communication and having dialogues that may or may not be difficult. Yeah. But it's more important to at least try. Absolutely, we have to. Um, I think we'll be foolish. It'll be foolish of us to not. You know, and really say that we're a um, right-sized campus. <laughs> you know, like that's a crazy moniker to have if we're not actually out here um, implementing it and practicing, you know, to get the most out of the opportunity. I respect that. Well, here's the one last big question because we're getting closer on time. Oh, okay. Okay. This time one flies, man, when you're having a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is more or less something I ask every guest. Okay. I think this will be an interesting one for you. I want to ask you what makes you happy short term, like on the daily, but also in the long term, what makes you happy? Ooh. What makes me happy short term? Uh, what makes me happy short term is knowing that I get to wake every day 
Uh-huh. I mean, uh, I seriously mean in Jackson. When I wake up, I do my ritual, and I tell myself I'm going to be great today. Whether that actualizes <laughs> or not, you know, I feel like I take steps every day to be better than I was the next day. I mean, the day before. But that makes me happy. Just to have that ritual and that, and you, you, you true to that. Like, I'm true to that. And I always feel like I've, I, I, I grow every day, right? So, on a short-term basis, just to be able to wake every day mm-hmm. um, and, and, and do something to make a situation better. Do something to bring joy to somebody's life. That's pretty cool. Right? I like that. Long-term, um, I give it in two ways. From a professional lens... Long term, I just want to see the students who I, you know, make commitments to and promises to and who I serve at this institution every day. I, w- I just want to see them go on to success. And, of course, that looks like getting a degree for most. But for some, it's just finding their passion. What makes them so excited to wake up and what puts them to sleep at night. <laughs> so that's a professional lens. From a personal lens, um, long term... I want to be able to be a person who left a legacy. That when you think of Justin Rose, it's something philanthropic tied to that. Mm-hmm. There's something prestigious tied to that. And there's something that has set up for the next generation to be able to walk in and feel like, man, they broke that door down and wall down for me. And you just walk through unscathed. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what that really looks like, but I, I know that would be success for me and would make me happy to know that the generations behind me um, have more opportunity than I had. That's pretty awesome. I, from this podcast, I'd say you're making an impact already and you want to continue. Thank you, man. It means a lot. Um, and I just thank you for seeing <laughs> enough in me to say I need this individual man to come speak to my guests I mean to my you know listeners so uh, thank you for allowing me to be here Jackson honestly it was a pleasure and if you could hear the praise that people give you whenever you're not around I think you'd be astonished oh wow man he's trying to make me cry you all he's trying to give me a tear I'm out of here but that means a lot and um, it just shows me that I got more work to do um, or I'll just continue also to keep doing what I've been doing which is walking this campus and giving enough love and happiness that I, that I can, you know, so thank you. That's awesome. All right. Is there anything that you'd like to say before we wrap it up, J-Rose? Um, I guess I'll just say uh, to the listeners, just by all means, 2020 and beyond, protect your happiness. I know it sounds real like punned, <laughs> um, but protect your happiness. And that looks a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. Um, if you're happy, I think it allows for situations, right, to change. Like, and I know that sounds like real referential, but like your happiness alone casts ripples and waves for other people. Mm-hmm. And you just never know what a simple hello, what a simple, you know, goodbye. Like, just the, the 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 things that we take for granted, what that can do for a person. And so I just tell people, you know, yes, protect your happiness, but also communicate. Just say what's up. Say hey. Give a hug. Do some of these things that the lost art. (laughs) Do some of the lost art, man. So that's all I really got. Awesome. 
Um, the Pop Shop is the Diversity Center's podcast. Yeah, Pop Up Shop. The Pop you know? Up Shop. Yeah, so um, it's a beautiful thing that we got going on. And like I said, the fact that it's enabled them to find their voice and and give them skills. Um, I'm I'm grateful for the con. I'm grateful for it and the content that they put out. Sweet. All right. That is on SoundCloud and YouTube. Yeah. And hopefully soon to be Spotify and iTunes. Yep. 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 All right. Um, I will post all the stuff on your Instagram, Snapchat, stuff like that. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. J Rose, thank you for being here. No and problem. please do not forget to pursue your own happiness. Yeah. Until next time.